everybody. Welcome to the Good Evening Kitties podcast at Tales from the Crypt Review. My name is Melissa, your ghostess with the mostess, and this is the fourth anniversary clip show. Yes, it's been four years that I've been doing this podcast, putting out episodes September 2017, but I did start thinking about it and going through everything in my head and what I wanted to do back in June of 2017. But yes, this is the fourth year that I've been doing this podcast, the Good Evening Kitties podcast, and I just wanted to say thank you to all of you out there who've listened and supported me and written reviews and left comments and questions and told me how you felt about certain episodes and things like that. It's been great. This episode is going to be clips from season five, episode 10, all the way to season six, episode seven. I'd also like to thank guest hosts for those episodes. I'd like to thank Ivatrees, Heather, Mike, Adami, and Cindy for being guest hosts this year. And yeah, so again, thanks and enjoy the clips. And then she comes down stairs in this uh, black dress and he is like, oh, you look great, but you look even better with this. And he comes over and he puts this necklace that he says is from Catherine the Great. And she puts a necklace on and she's like, oh my god. Like he puts it on for her behind her. And she looks in the mirror and she's like, oh my gosh, it's beautiful, you know. And um, she's in the black dress and everything. And it's still storming outside. There are just lots of lightning. So now it cuts to, they're all dressed up. He's in his suit, she's in the dress. And she puts her hair back in a ponytail. And they're having this like candlelight dinner. And he starts telling her more and more about this Norma opera that he loves. And so he tells her the, the story, right? So after Norma discovers that her lover, Polyone, has been unfaithful. She decides to commit suicide because she's broken her vow of chastity. But at the last moment, Polione joins her, and together they walk toward the funeral pyre as the curtain grows. That's it? That's how it ends? The guy cheats on her and she kills herself? Well, she, she doesn't do it because of him. She does it because she's broken no, her vow. No, she should have taken the gold and split to Paris or somewhere. That would have been a lot more believable but not poetic. All operas are filled with love-sick martyrs who end up dying. That's what opera's all about. Love and death. Love and death. I like that. She's like, I don't understand the ending. Like, why is she having to confess? And I was like, same. Yes, I feel the same way. Thank you, Brooke Shields. I don't understand this either. <laughs> I mean, she's still bad. Don't get me wrong. They're all kind of bad people. But you're still kind of like... Is she going to be the bad guy in this episode if, you know, not all these guys are against her? She's got to hold her own against all these guys in the city. So what she's doing is acting, basically. And it really didn't take long at all. Like, the fact that these guys jumped onto her bait so quickly. Yes. She didn't even have to do anything. Like, she just (laughs) sat there and they came to her. And so she is talking to them about how she distributes black crude oil and things. And then here comes Lou Diamond Phillips' character. And he's acting like she screwed him over um, <laughs> yeah. and things like like as if they don't know each other you know kind of situation more that he's like I guess it's more that he works for the oil yeah he works for a company that she's I mean screwed yes over. <laughs> basically yeah like her whole schmeal when I was li- listening to her I was like I think they're in cahoots in some way to con them the guys that were in the bar so because she's like oh black oil like really stressing about it and Larry, he was like, you know, we need to talk about this. And, you know, he's like, no, let the lady talk. (laughs) Let her. 
And he's like on her with his teeth. Yeah, it's like, ugh. <laughs> I know some of these names, the character names don't really, because you got like Jerry, Cardi, Larry, <laughs> all these ones. I mean, Spider, I like Rory Calhoun's name. Spider's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he calls the detective back. He's like, someone's obviously leaving me a message. This is for me. And they're trying to figure out like why, why now this is happening. Who would maybe be out to get him? It's been six years, you know, why out of the blue? But then you do find out that Clancy Brown's character is waiting for FDA approval. Like, they've been through all the work. They put all the work into doing these experimental reviews and things. The product's working. They need to just get FDA approval and guidelines and things, and then they should be able to kick it off. And now all this stuff is happening. So the detective shows up, and it's funny. Like, there's cops there, too, and they're kind of, like, checking out the place, probably getting fingerprints or whatever. I don't know. And the cop is showing up, and I think he's eating yogurt at the robbery scene. He just shows up with this, like, little teeny cup of yogurt or pudding, and he just sits down next to Roger, and he's like, hey, how's it going? Like, you interrupted my yogurt time, but here I am in my suit eating a little cup of something. (laughs) So they're opening it up, and it's just kind of sad because it's like, so it's these guys who are getting rid of a body. Their boss is Eileen Brennan, who is <laughs> Love fun her. in this episode. She is fun. She is. She is a it. scary lady. Oh, she's is just watch it just for her performance if you want. Like it's. She comes off as well. We'll talk about this later, but she comes <laughs> off as very believable in the role. You know. Yes. So they want Lucy's help. Lucy is played by Kate Vernon, and so they're like, "Come over here and help us." And so the fourth thing, she's scared. She's got a gun to her. She's got like a cute white blouse and stuff, and then they're in suits. And they're pulling a body out of the back of the trunk. And it's been kind of wrapped up in some, like, clear tarp stuff. But they're having her help. She's got to help with this body removal. Because they're going to cut it up in little pieces and either bury it or... I know it's highly macabre, as they would say. But I've always enjoyed scenes of, of, like, truly horrific acts being displayed, being performed... With a certain air of boredom or just like, this is just a job kind of feeling. Because it you know? is. I mean, this is their routine. It's just like, you know, a guy complaining at the other one, oh, you didn't wrap him up well enough, is leaking all over the trunk. <laughs> and so she looks at this other picture, which is kind of cool. She sees this picture on the wall, and it's another public ex- execution from 19, and then the date is smeared out, the last two numbers. And you see these people... And they're all around this person being hanged. And then to the right, there's a people in a car in the picture. So it's not like an old picture. But I love the fact that it looks like an old picture. Like whatever year this was clearly taken, the picture does not look like a picture taken that year. Like it looks like it's from the 20s or something. It was definitely photoshopped. Oh, yeah. You can see on the right there how it's like their clothes are so much clearer compared to the other clothes. Yeah. So it's like these random people that were, it's more recent than it normally would have been yeah. like she's like that's weird okay and then they don't have the date so she's like all right well but then she's like oh snap a, really strange a modern car <laughs> and so then from behind she gets grabbed and it's by and scared and it's by peter mcnichol who horrible toupee on his hair which has a purpose <laughs> but i was head. like it's janosh from ghostbusters it is janosh and you didn't mention that but the the guy from sophie's choice one of the best, oh, okay, one of the yeah. most famous Meryl Streep movies. He was like the the like he was like one. Of, he's like the protagonist. He's actually the star of Sophie's Choice. Can you believe I haven't seen that? I love Meryl Streep. It's a really depressing movie. Um, you That's don't why need I haven't to see seen it, it unless you really want to see her performance. But it's it's he's the protagonist. He's fantastic, and it's Meryl Streep and Kevin Klein, and they're both amazing. Anyway, those are all good actors. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really should see it, but part of me is like, do I maybe if on a day like 
Like, do I want to cry? Okay, I'll sit down. The choice scene is, is choice. immense, but the rest of the movie is just like normal sad. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, so Peter McNichol, Janusz, is there and he's in a horrible suit. I don't know, his bow tie is kind of cute. Yep. But he's in this suit with all these stripes and checkers and uh, horrible toupee. And he's going to be her lawyer. He's going to be her, um, her like, a appointed attorney that you get when you don't have Public one. defender. Yes, public defender. Thank you. I'm sorry. That's word. why I'm really here. Yes. <laughs> and you find out her name is Molly. Molly and Carl start talking. And at one point, they're talking in the kitchen. And she's, like, really hot because she's in leather, right? So there's, like, this zipper in the front of her jumpsuit dress thing. And she goes to undo it. And you see, you know, her cleavage. And it's very sweaty. And immediately, Carl is like, hey, girl. And I'm like, and she even has this line Molly does where she's like, I am so weary of being hit on. And then he hits on her. You can't really see her facial expressions, but you can tell she's just like, wow, you're dense. She's like, you want to get out of here? And he's like, cool, let's go. And I'm like, wow, he got over that other chick real quick. Or I guess, I mean, he's not going to get anywhere with her anyway. And he's probably going to get arrested if he stays here. One glance of sweaty cleave and Carl will follow anyone home. He's like, I don't know who this weirdo is. I don't even know what her face looks like. He's like, I don't care. Let's get out of here. Molly and Carl leave the party. And they get back to her place and it kind of looks almost like, almost like an abandoned warehouse. It's kind of lived in, like there's a bed, like, there, well, there's a mattress. There's a mattress and it's a lot of space. And then there's like two bedrooms, one you can't see into yet. And then like this small little kitchenette, like they do apartments in movies, especially like in New York, where it's like little bitty sink, little bitty fridge. Everything's kind of mildewy. There's like an old couch. And I mean, it looks abandoned, but this is where she lives. <laughs> And so she gets fired and she's like, what? You know, she's like, I can't believe it. And then immediately like the like security guys comes up and grabs her, throws her out of the elevator. Hurls her bodily out <laughs> of the elevator. So this elevator is important too. This is the second kind of scene they have here. So she comes down, the security guard brings her down the elevator, opens and she, yeah, they just throw her onto this cement floor, ceramic floor, porcelain, whatever tile. And she's like, oh, like hits it. She comes back later that night, a little bit before midnight, which though... I think on one of the clocks across the hall in the other room, one of the hands was down at like a five or something. So I'm like, I don't think that time was right. But there were some continuity issues with the episode. It's nothing gigantic. Yeah, there were a couple things, but there's one coming up here too. So Richard Lewis's character, Vern, is still back in his office. It's nearly midnight. She comes back in and she's drunk. And it's it's kind of charming. It is, it is it's cute drunk. There's only so many different flavors of drunk. This is one of the more endearing yes. forms of drunk. She's, she's like, I went down to that place around the corner. That this knows is a nice me. little, this is a nice little speaker. Like, me and I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's drinking too a little bit, and she comes back and she's like, I plant, I have this great new story, and she's got this little hat on, and there's like a lot of fog and like kind of smoky haziness in these episode in this episode. She's like, I have a new ending for my story. And she pulls out a gun, like a revolver. You're a little later than I expected. I wasn't going to wait much past midnight. I took your advice and I stopped in that cozy little bar around the corner. They remembered me. Why not? They've been in mourning since the day you climbed on the wagon. <laughs> Buddy, <laughs> that's what they said. Can we speed this up? I got to get to work in the morning. I got a great idea for a story, Vern. It's about a gal who loses her job and something inside of her snaps and she finds that thing that gives her back her edge. Sounds a little thin. Just me. 
the visual is going to sell it. Wanda, what, what are you doing? I ain't begging for my job anymore, that's for sure. Look, you gotta understand, I did what I did for a reason. Garbage! On your knees! You're the one who's going to what? beg, and I've seen you on your knees, and it's not a pretty picture. And she notices like his computer set up and she's like, oh, this is cool. And he's got like, he made some sort of app that's basically like Yelp or like Google Maps kind of thing. Cause she's like, oh, I was thinking of getting some food, some Chinese. And he's like, yeah, I, I can show you the map. And he goes over to his computer and he like pops in Chinese restaurants or whatever. And it brings up this like really, really basic map of like all these streets in I think New York. And she's like, wow, that's crazy. And he's like, yeah, I made it. And it can help you find all these different things. And I'm like, oh, he already has created this app that's, he knows what he's doing he's, and look how advanced they are. Like, I mean, it's so much more fluid now in, in the app there, but like, he's like, no, I did it myself on this old computer. Like, I mean, it's not old here, but you know what I mean? And so this whole time, Eddie's not really talking. Like he's kind of hiding behind a door or um, not around. Like he kind of disappeared where that's where I'm kind of like, okay, this is, this is definitely an imaginary friend. Cause then at one point he, he pops up like towards the, towards the end and just yells like, ask her out or you know whatever like that and he's like shh and like she doesn't hear that and so i'm like okay well he's imaginary so you feel you figure it out fairly quickly <laughs> and then he takes marbles and throws them on the floor so that they can fall there's like another woman sitting there uh bb besh or whatever playing armelia and she's you know she's laughing at samuel because the situation kind of but then he throws these marbles down Mr. Grunwald and I'm like, gosh, this is just so dangerous because I doubt he cleaned up any of those marbles either. He probably just left them there. And everyone's wearing sunglasses, so you know they're blind. You know, that's that's how this, this works. It's easier if you don't have to control your eyes or where you're looking, I guess, you know, for the shooting it. Or Mr. Grunwald's like, yeah, this is great. And there's a guy next to him who kind of does like the maintenance for the building or something or like has his helper. And his name is Benny, played by John Savage. He's real quiet. He gets smacked around by Mr. Grunwall and he just kind of like helps fix things and whatever. So there's that fun opening scene. And then it cuts to Terry Polo's character coming in and she's fun. I like her in this. She plays Sheila and she's supposed to be like, I don't know, like 20 or something, I guess. And maybe like a little younger because I think she might be like a ward of the state, maybe an orphan or something or um, like a foster kid or something. But she aged out, I guess, and got sent here for like six months or something. She did. I don't know. I don't even think it's something she did. She just, I think they just didn't have anywhere to put her. So she gets sent to this place. The way she's dressed, she's got um, like a, a backward beret thing. And then she's got like these, the dark sunglasses, but they're like little circles. And she's got this, you know, very 90s, like cute, kind of like baby doll type dress over like tights or something with combat boots, you know, that kind of thing. And she's fun. I like her in this. So now it gets back to Martin Zeller's home, the inspector, and you hear some people in his apartment arguing. It's not great. The acting in this episode is a bit wooden. So when he opens the door to his apartment, there's a young woman, Kimberly Williams Paisley, and another guy playing uh, her boyfriend, and they're yelling at each other. But the way it looks, the way it's set, it looks like a stage production. Not saying stage productions are bad. I've been in some. But what I'm saying is it looks like it shouldn't belong in this apartment. <laughs> There's a coffee table and then like these two chairs, like a recliner type back chairs, but they don't recline. And a guy in a high school uh, letterman's jacket and then her in a dress. And they're just like arguing and pointing and like, I'm so done with you. I'm so done with you. And it's like he walks into this perfect scene. Like it just felt real fake. Ron, I said no. One minute you say you love me. The next minute you don't want me to touch you. I can't figure out if you're crazy or confused. What do you want? 
In a simple sentence, what do you want? What do I want? Yeah, just tell me. I can take it. I'm a big boy. I want you to get out. You know, you're full of problems. You I'm know that? full of problems. Yeah, you are full of problems. Just get out. When you figure out exactly what it is that you want, you get back to me, Fine, right? Ron. Fine. And so you find out that um, his daughter, Hilly, I think it is. Her name is Hilly or Haley. They're breaking up and her dad's like, oh no, that what happened? <laughs> She's like, dad, shut up. You don't know. And so, so Haley is like, we broke up. And then Martin's like, oh, but he seemed like such a nice kid. And like, the thing is you start learning that, I mean, they rush this father-daughter relationship, which I understand they have to, but it's like, you under, you kind of get the feeling that like, he really tries to protect her. She's kind of fallen back from her so-called bad ways. <laughs> Aubrey is doing pull-ups, right? And she's got like her wet, you can see her wedding ring and she's doing pull-ups, she's got stuff. And she's making these noises that are like more than just working out. I mean, I've worked out at gyms and you hear, sometimes you'll hear guys and stuff like, you know, they'll drop the weights at the end you know, yeah. kind of thing. You're like, okay. Hulk smash. You're like, all right, man. But she's making these noises that are like not just working out. And I'm like, that gosh, she's really getting into it. And then she gets a phone call and she goes to one-handed pull-ups. And I'm like, okay, that's not, she's not actually doing pull-ups. She's on the ground. She's got to be because she's still on the phone, like, pulling up, just like, what? Oh, that crazy bitch. You know, just like, whatever. Yeah. And then they cut and she's like, you know what? She, like, does, like, a couple really good pull-ups and then uh, backs off and she's like, okay, I'm done. And you find out her lover or whatever, the blonde guy, is what? On the bench. On the bench. Underneath her. She was... She was lifting up and falling down on that D. Wow, that's what we're doing? Okay. So that's how she kind of tries to kill two birds with one stone. She gets in a workout and then a little bonus workout. I mean, she's trying to stay in good shape. I I mean, she looks great. But yeah, I was just like, all right, we're going to throw that in there real quick. So that's what she was doing. 